Hi, you're listening to Notes from a Drama Watcher, a podcast about East Asian dramas. It's part recap, part review, and there will definitely be spoilers ahead. Let's go! Hi, this is your host M, and this is episode 15 of Notes from a Drama Watcher. Today we'll be talking about Guardian, episodes 21 through 24, Imperial Coroner, Episodes 19 through 21, Do Luo Continent, Episodes 11 through 20, and Beloved in House I Do, Episode 6. So we're going to start off with Imperial Coroner. So these episodes continue with more of the gang trying to discover what has happened with Prince Jinyu's father. We've also, before we get into that, we've also got another set of opening credit so when the show first started there were no opening credits actually and then they had that opening credit scene where they were showing close-ups of everyday items you would you would find around or items that they would use in their detecting work now we've got one that has a series of overhead shots from various locations as well as shots of all the characters in the show i have to say so far actually my favorite well actually i really liked the way they used to jump right into the story before but on the other hand, I, I know that some people think might think opening credits are important, but I actually like the previous opening credits better, where they were showing the close-up and then pulling back from the the items that they would use in, in their everyday and in their detecting work. I thought that was really cool. The song has stayed the same, though. So as far as the episodes, a lot happens in these series of episodes. The truth comes out as to why Jingyi has been sneaking around. He thinks behind the prince back. Prince is back, but of course the prince realizes what he's doing. The reason he was sneaking around behind his back was because he was given a mission by his father to keep Prince Jinyu safe. So that's what all the sneaking around has been about. Lang Wei has kind of been sneaking around behind him because she saw him sneaking around. And so she's concerned as to what he's doing and hoping that Prince Jinyu doesn't, you know, misinterpret what's going on. She's just concerned about Jung Jinyu. So we also get some answers as to what happened to Prince Jinyu's and, and his brother's father. Chu Hei experiences some growth in these episodes as he realizes that acting rashly the way he, that he was doing has let a bad guy escape. And it's actually put Chu Chu in even more danger than she was before. So he thought he was helping when he helps her uncle escape, but he really wasn't at all. Now you've got this dangerous man on the loose who you can't trust at all and who doesn't have Chu Chu's best interests in mind. So Prince Jin Yu really, really lets him have it about that and explains to him, you know, how he was wrong in his way of thinking and that, and that basically he should think more carefully in the future. Chu Hei looks like he really listened to him and hopefully that changes his character around because I just didn't, I mentioned in the previous episode, I just, I didn't like the way he was acting and he just, wasn't really thinking things through at all. Hopefully he's matured some through what he's experienced here. Uh, also Prince Jinyu's feelings towards Chu Chu are obviously they're growing more and more. It's actually causing him to push Chu Chu away in a way because he's kind of confused and he's of course worried about her safety. So his his way of dealing with that is to kind of push her away. The general and Jinyu kind of know what's going on you know they kind of keep giving him these looks because they realize that he's having these feelings for Chu Chu and his his brother is really concerned about him because 
he's got these feelings, but at the same time, he knows that Chuhei also has feelings for, for Chuchu as well, because he overheard him when he was talking about getting married to Chuchu in a previous episode. So he's concerned for his brother's feelings. Prince Jinyu's mother is also going through her own things at the same time, because the emperor wants the general, Prince Jinyu's brother, he wants him to marry Lung Wei. Prince Jinyu's mother does not want this at all. So she is, has set up this whole thing where she tells him that she wants to wait to speak to an advisor to see when is the best time for them to get married and, and things like that. She's basically trying to stall for time, which the emperor realizes, of course, and is not happy about it. So she's got her own problems there as well. There's also some question about a hairpin that was found earlier that is connected to Choo Choo, but it's a hairpin that Prince Jinyu's mother recognizes as one that was gifted to Zheng Yi's family. So she's questioning Zheng Yi's father about why does someone else have, what happened to that hairpin that your family had? Now going back to Jinyu's father, they've been finding clues all along. Remember they found, in a previous episode, they found a chessboard in Prince Jinyu's father's house, the house he was staying in when he was acting as the witch doctor in the village. They found this chessboard and this chessboard, they realize as they are, as they are looking for clues, that this was a clue telling them where they were going to find Prince Jinyu's father. And they do find him. Unfortunately, he has passed away as they were, as they were dreading. They find him at the bottom of the lake. And with him, they find um, there's a box that has some poetry inside. And it turns out this poetry is basically written in code, which they have to try to figure out what the code is and what it was he was trying to say there. And, and they do. And he's explaining what happened to him, why he was out there, you know, how he became the witch doctor and why he couldn't leave. They're kind of calling things back to previous episodes because a few episodes back when they were going into the village, they were talking about how there had been no... Before the bridge that the village, that people currently used to get into the village, there was no bridge before. There was just a rope bridge. And because there was no bridge before, at the time when he was living there as the witch doctor, he was basically never able to escape the village because he had broken his legs in in the fight with the eunuchs. So that's why he was never able to leave. He was physically not able to leave. So they're calling things back to, to previous episodes. Some good episodes. Like I said, we do see some growth here in the characters. Chun Hei appear, appears to, you know, have a change of mind where he realizes he needs to think things through. Uh, Prince Jinyu is realizing his feelings for Choo Choo. Choo Choo is not expressing feelings for Prince Jinyu. So we don't quite know yet what's going on there. Lung Wei is starting to have feelings for Zheng Yi. He already has feelings for her. He's liked her probably since they were little, I'm guessing. But he even gives her a kind of look where he, I think, realizes that she is possibly seeing him in a new light. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in later episodes with these relationships, especially because Lung Wei is betrothed by the emperor to Prince Jin Yu's brother. The next show I'm going to talk about is Guardian. And if we remember at the end of the previous episode, episode 20, Chief Zhao uh, was in a battle with Yinza, who is um, apparently Black Hope Envoy's brother. 
And during this battle, he loses his sight. He is now blind. And the team is trying to find a way to cure Chief Xiao's blindness. But just when they think they've found someone who can help, Chief Xiao realizes the cost would be too great for it to be a permanent solution. What they find is a doctor who is able to do miracle cures. And he does cure Chief Xiao. But they realize that this cure is connected to another case. The other case is they are encountering people who are aging before their time. And they realize basically that he is, without realizing, he's not doing this on purpose, without realizing taking the, the life force of these other people and applying it to the illness of, you know, the first person. And that's how he's curing them. And, you know, Chief Xiao being who he is, once he realizes this, gives back his sight so that it can go back to whoever that, that life force was taken from. Because he doesn't want something, he doesn't want a cure at the expense of someone else. That That's just not who he is. In the meantime, Shen Wei's old student, she, who's in our like first and second episodes, um, she gets a job at a research lab, which is the research lab where Shen Wei's former colleagues work, you know, the ones who are always trying to recruit him every time they see him. She's working there now. The special investigation unit also receives an anonymous email claiming to have a cure to Chief Xiao's blindness. Now, this they get this email right after something happens in the lab. So it seems like it's probably an email from her to them, but but maybe it's not. And this method in the email appears to work. They're, they use the sundial to cure his blindness. One Chief Xiao is holding the sundial at the same time that Shen Wei is, and it works. But later, Chief Xiao discovers that Shen Wei has injured himself using this method, and he's upset that he would injure himself for him, and he doesn't know why Shen Wei would go this far for him. You know, he asks him, why would you go this far for me? And Shen Wei is like, you're worth it, but he doesn't say why he thinks he's worth injuring himself that badly. He just doesn't explain to him, which of course Shen Wei can't really, I mean, what can he say? I, I met you 10,000 years ago and you were using a different name. You know, he can't, he can't really say anything to him about it. So Chief Xiao's just very confused and hurt, I guess, in a way that Shen Wei is not being honest with him. The special investigation unit has found a book that refers to Kunlan, which is the name that Chief Xiao uses in the past, or at least the person who looks like Chief Xiao um, goes under that name Kunlan. So that name is in the book, along with the Black Cook Envoy. It's a book recounting the history from 10,000 years ago. And this name triggers something it triggers something in Chief Xiao's name, He in his brain, he recognizes it, but they don't realize, anyone besides Chen Wei, that actually Kunlan is probably Chief Xiao, that is referring to Chief Xiao. Episode 24 has Shen Wei and Chief Xiao at odds with each other. It's really, it's Chief Xiao at odds with Shen Wei, I guess you would put it that way, because he is Really, he's upset that Shen Wei is not just telling him what is going on in terms of why he's so willing to basically sacrifice himself or sacrifice his power for Chief Xiao. And Chief, you know, Chief Xiao's like, I, I would never lie to you and I would never hurt you. And Chief Xiao's like, basically, just tell me what's going on. Whatever you say, I'm going to believe you. So just tell me what it is that you need to tell me. And he still doesn't tell him. That's right at the beginning of this episode. The, the rest of the episode is they're basically fighting some new 
people. So we've still got that raven person from the pre previous episode. We've got a new character in who has a gripe against the hospital because apparently his wife and child died in the hospital, so he's seeking some kind of vengeance against the hospital. And he's using a, a new or another artifact in in his revenge. So something else has been introduced. It's it's a brush. I can't remember the name of it at the moment, but this brush basically increases people's powers. It's how the doctor in the previous episode was able to cure so many people was through using this brush. Because before that, he, although he was a doctor, he didn't have this ability to draw life forces from elsewhere. So that's another artifact that they're going to need to try to get a hold of before it causes even more trouble. Because in this episode, there's a young man who looks like a child, but he's actually over 20, they say, who's stopped growing. And so he looks like a child. He is someone who's addicted to video games and is able to have games come to life. And people become characters in the game under his, he thinks under his control, but he's really not in control, right? Because he's being used by other dishingers for, for their own purposes. This is still the boss, as they call him, kind of directing the show and pulling people's uh, strings like puppets. And we know the boss is, is Yinza. We've also got in this episode what they've done in previous episodes where they begin the new case at the begin at the end of an episode. So at the end of this episode, there is a taxi driver beating on someone and it's because he's been taken over by, by dark energy, by something else. So he is being interrogated by Old Chu and Lil Gao and Lil Gao goes to touch him and apparently this dark energy transfers into him. So he is now the one going to be taken over. So sorry, not Old Chu. It's Chief Zhao who's with him in the interrogation. And afterwards, they go out to meet with the other team members to have um, a little bit of a meal together. And someone grabs something that belongs to Lil Gao and he, oh, it's the snake lady. And he snaps, smacks it out of her hands and almost gets into a thing with Old Chu. It's, it's very obvious that he's behaving strangely and everyone's looking at him like, huh? I don't know how Chief Zhao didn't realize probably what was going on since he was in the room. Even if you didn't see the dark energy, you know that little guy would never act this way. I mean, he's just a, a cinnamon roll. And he's he's just like, nobody touch my stuff. You know, you will get into it with me, whatever. Just a completely different person. Then Zhu Hong, I'm totally mispronouncing him, I'm sure, who's Snake Lady. She starts acting weird. Little Gao is apparently acting normal again. But then she starts acting weird, very demure, which is not like her at all, wanting to be next to Chief Xiao because remember, she's had feelings for him this whole time. So basically, no one's acting like themselves in this episode. But out of everyone, the actor who plays Old Chu, I think, was like the best one out of all of them. Because the snake lady, she was acting as if she liked him, whatever, but she always liked him. So that's not that unusual. But Old Chu, whatever is whatever personality is in him also likes Chief Xiao. <laughs> and Chief Xiao is outside of the office investigating something and comes back and, and old Chu just comes up to him and is just kind of flirting with him, offering him breakfast or whatever. And it's just, he just did really well in that. And Chief Zhao is just flabbergasted. Like, what is going on? Although he realizes that something's up with Chief Xiao, with, uh, I'm sorry, old Chu, but <laughs> 
he just doesn't know how to react, especially this coming from old Chu, who, as he says, like, never respects him and stuff. And throughout all of this, Shen Wei is just standing on the side, <laughs> looking around, like, not commenting, just looking, just observing. <laughs> I'm sure very sure in, in the knowledge that Chief Zhao, you know, is his, is his partner and no one else's. <laughs> These series of episodes were, were good. I like them. Uh, there was, I don't know if it was episode 21 or 22, when Shen Wei, Shen Wei brings Chief Zhao to the hospital to a colleague of his, who's a doctor, to see if she can help figure out, you know, why he is blind. And she doesn't find anything physical, but she keeps giving them these looks because of the interactions between them. Maybe she's never seen Shen Wei, you know, kind of hovering over someone like that. And also at one point, uh, Chief Zhao's alarm goes off and Shen Wei's like, oh, do you have something to do? And Chief Zhao's like, you know, no, you're that basically that alarm is because your class is about to start. Don't you have a class to teach now? And she's she's looking at them like, how does this guy know your exact schedule? So that was really cute. There was something odd going on with the editing in episode 23. In episode 23, I can't tell if it is an issue with the budget because this show did have budget issues or if it's possible that some censorship of the show affected the way it looked because I didn't I didn't see these episodes when they originally came out episode 23 I'm not sure if if there were scenes that were there and then were cut or whatever but in that episode there are a few times where they just they just totally cut from one scene to another, including there's actually a murder that takes place. And in one moment, they're all standing around like nothing. They're, they're talking. And in the next moment, Shen Wei's standing over somebody, some, someone's body checking a stab wound. There was no transition there. Why did this even happen? You know, nothing, nothing at all. And this happens a few times in that episode. And it's pretty jarring. If it was budget, I almost feel like maybe it was the censorship that kicked in although I'm not sure what it would have kicked in over of a violence maybe if it's budget maybe something was wrong with the scene and they couldn't refilm it because they had no money I'm not sure but it's it's pretty jarring so far that only happens in that particular episode which is why I'm thinking maybe it was a censorship thing instead I am curious to see what happens in the next few episodes Yunza was not here in these few he was referred to, but he, he wasn't seen in these few. I'm sure he will show up later. Or I should say he was not here in present day. He wasn't a flashback scene, but he wasn't here in present day. But um, I'm glad, honestly, really, dollar store baddie, I'm glad he's gone. He just was not a convincing bad guy. This new person they have in, I think, has a little more of a compelling story. So we'll see where it goes from there. There are 40 episodes in total, so I'm almost three quarters of the way through. I guess two thirds, whichever way you want to look at it through. So I guess soon we'll be getting into the meat of the story. There are four artifacts and we're on artifact number three now. So we're, we're getting towards the, you know, the meat of the story before whatever final battle takes place. And next up, we've got Zhou Lu Continent, episodes 11 through 20. In episode 11, they're still in the village investigating the mysterious fire. During the course of the investigation, they find out about a mysterious medicine that allows people to obtain spirit powers. And one of the people affected is the young man, Ma Hong Jun, who in episode 12 joins the academy as well because he's gotten powers. 
He has an unusual spirit power, however, and he has trouble controlling it, which can be quite dangerous to everyone around him. Also in this episode, we meet another student who I think is our final student, and her name is Rong Rong. She has auxiliary power uh, just like Asuka does, which means they don't have like fighting powers. They have powers that will help others instead. Also, the headmaster and Xiao Gang warn them to stay away from Hulena since she has she's not an actual student. She's just been auditing and she is in fact from Spirit Hall and they don't trust her motives. So they're warning Tang San about her. The next few episodes get more serious as Xiao Wu has been poisoned and Tang San must embark on finding a cure for her. And the headmaster basically invents a reason that the academy has to travel together to Star Do Town, where supposedly there's someone who, with a cure who will be waiting for Tang San. The problem is that this is essentially a lawless town on the edge of a forest that contains very dangerous spirit beasts just running wild through the forest. So basically there's danger everywhere for them. The team winds up having to face these dangers head on and Tan Sang winds up coming upon unscrupulous people and learning some pretty unbelievable things about his dad that make him feel like he never really knew his father at all. And so he's not quite sure what to believe. And he's also feeling sorry for Tong Jun, their, their new student, because if what he's been told about his father is true, then it's the reason for Hong Jun's father dying. We also hear a tale or speculation <laughs> that an old enough spirit beast can turn into a human. And Shawu in these episodes exhibits some mysterious behavior that I'm pretty sure is pointing to her actually being one of these spirit beasts who has become human. But we'll see what happens. Right now she is still, she and Tang San are still considering themselves brother and sister, which is why he's willing to go to all these lengths, you know, to save her life once she has been poisoned. Also in these episodes, we see a little more of the backstory of Daewoo. We get to see his older brother who tries to come and get him and bring him back with him. And we see them just becoming a more cohesive team. First, they have to band together to save Shawu, save Tang San when he gets into some trouble in the forest, into some big trouble in the forest. And we also get to see their growth as they train to fight together because they have to they have to fight Daewoo's brother to keep him as part of the school so that he's not taken away by his brother. And we see growth in many ways. We see them figuring out what their weaknesses might be in battle and trying to correct that. We see that we remember he's very into thinking that strength is the most important thing and doesn't think about strategy as much and thing like things like that and doesn't have as much respect, I guess, for people who are not as strong as he is. Not that he disrespects them necessarily, but he really respects strength. And through all of these things that he's learning and opening his mind up to Xiao Gang and his theories about ways they can improve their power, he has his own growth because he gets to see that it's not just about brute strength, but there are other things that can give you strength as well, such so just strategy, um, learning your, your weaknesses and strengths and how to, to fight within those those things. Oscar and Rong Rong also learn that they don't have to just stand on the sides. I mean, unless they really want to, but they don't have to. They can contribute to the battle, to battles as well, even if they don't have the strength of everyone else, they can still contribute in their own way. So they show a lot of strength as well. 
I I actually really like Rung Rung's character because she in the very beginning came off as this kind of entitled you know princess whatever but she's actually the headmaster does say at one point that she's actually like good at heart um and you can see it she still wants to help she appreciates everyone she's still a little bit spoiled you know She's been raised, not necessarily relying on her physical strength and just having things handed to her, but she can grow, she can learn as well, and really wants to be part of the team, wants to trust the team and have them trust her. I continue to really enjoy this show. I I mentioned the previous podcast, some of the CGI is a little dodgy, so (laughs) as far as the spirit beasts go, some of that's not the greatest. But what is good actually is whenever they do the spirit rings, that looks really good. There's actually even an episode, I don't remember which one it is, it's somewhere within these 11, uh, episodes 11 through 20, where the headmaster has his spirit rings around him and he's walking between two other characters and they make sure to have the spirit rings shrink so that they're not like hitting the other characters. So they are paying attention to detail as far as those things go. So that looks good. Again, the beasts, the spirit beasts don't look great, not as much as the spirit rings, but like I said before, I can forgive them for that because I'm sure it would cost a lot of money to have so many spirit beasts, to have so much CGI for that many spirit beasts in a 40 episode show. So a good episode um, so far. We see personal growth on various people's parts, on Rung Run's part, Asuka and Damu Bai, as well as just academic growth. They are in an academy. They're supposed to be learning skills, and they have learned that during these uh, few episodes here, as well as Damu Bai learning how to be a leader because he's the oldest student there. They consider him to be a leader of sorts, so he really does need to learn how to use everyone on his team to the best of their abilities and I think he's learning how to do that here and the final show I'm going to talk about today is Beloved in House I Do episode six remember this is a 10 episode show so we are more than halfway through at this point and it's gone it's gone too quickly (laughs) I'm kind of sad it's moving that quickly that means it's going to be over in just a few weeks um I don't know how the ratings have been going I haven't been paying attention to it that much because I don't want things to influence me too much as I'm watching these to to include them in my podcast these shows but hopefully it's doing well because I had mentioned the previous podcast that if if it goes well we're going to get more stories the same way history has so many different stories in the series so I'm hoping Beloved in House is doing well because I would love to get more stories so episode six Actually, it doesn't focus as much on Shile and Yujan as the previous episodes. We get to see a little more of the other couples here. Sichui and Gang have a whole scene in, in the restaurant where Gang is kind of, I guess, flirting with Sichui in a way. He's kind of com- comparing him to a pet that he picked up at the park. <laughs> and Sichui really does have like this puppy dog look. So that's that's a pretty good comparison, I think. And they're getting closer together. Even later in the episode, Gang goes to a class at the Craftswork studio to support Sichui, who's the teacher of the class. So that was really sweet. And in this studio is a man who it turns out is waiting for Yuzhen because he wants to enter into a business contract with Yuzhen. And this is the, the thing that was kind of hinted at in the previous episode in the teaser. This causes a conflict between Shile and Yuzhen because the concept that this man wants for his for his order contradicts the rules that Eugene has put in place, his dating rule. 
And so Sheila doesn't really feel that that's right for them to be accepting a contract about something that they have this this rule on. And speaking of the rule, actually, earlier in this episode, they talk about the dating rule a little bit. And it seems like it turns out it is just no dating in general and not just no dating between employees, which I think that, you know, that's really overstepping your bounds as a director. Funnily enough, he knows, Eugene knows this is kind of a ridiculous rule because Sheila's mother is still staying with them and Eugene is like hiding these rules. Remember, they had posted the house rules up and Eugene is, is hiding these rules because he doesn't want Sheila's mom to know about this, this no dating rule. He doesn't want to look bad in front of her. So he's been keeping it a secret. It's kind of sad that they have this little conflict at the end of the episode because they've actually, they're growing a little closer, I guess, during the episode. They're still staying together in the room because Sheila's mom is still visiting. And Eugene has another, another nightmare, like another restless night. And Sheila notices and he comforts him again. He doesn't get in the bed, but he t- pats his head and he comforts him again. And, you know, he lays down when Eugene moves, but we see Eugene turn over in the bed away from him and open his eyes and smile a little. So he actually woke up while Shile was comforting him. And you can tell he's touched by that. You know, he gives a little smile. So he was really touched by that. So we went from that where there was like a really sweet moment to at the end, there's this conflict between them. So I've seen some complaints that some people, I guess, are finding it a little boring. And by, by complaints, I mean the comments on Vicky because I've been watching it on Vicky. And I do wind up turning the comments off after a couple minutes because <laughs> they can be very distracting. But I've seen like in previous episodes, you know, some people complaining about it. And um, this is a very quiet show. It doesn't have big, big conflicts. Even this current conflict that they have now is not a big, big conflict, but that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. I actually don't find it boring at all. I find this to be a very slice of life kind of show. So most slice of life shows don't have big conflicts like that. They're just the day-to-day lives of the characters. And that's what we're getting here, the day-to-day life of these employees. A slightly more dramatic than than most people's lives, possibly. Um, I don't think most people would confront their boss in the middle of the cafe like Shilei did, <laughs> but maybe someone might. But it's very slice of life. And when you look at it that way, I think it's fine. I think the pacing is fine. We got the sound corrected, I guess, uh, in this episode. You didn't have this big burst of music like in the previous episode. I'm not quite sure what was going on with that. And I'm curious to see what happens in the next episode between Shile and Eugene, how their relationship grows. You do see in the in the teaser, Shile saying, please tell me the story about your scar. So I'm maybe in the next episode, we'll get to find out what the story is behind it and does it have anything to do with the nightmares that Eugene seems to have? I'm not sure if we, if we will have it because the teasers don't necessarily correlate to what's in the next episode, I've noticed. Um, there's a very interesting editing choice that this director is making. The beginning of this episode, case in point, the beginning of this episode, they're in the park on a swing and they're having a discussion about 
why didn't you explain what we were doing in bed together? So they're referring to something that we haven't really seen. We saw it in a teaser. We didn't see it as part of the episode. So again, the teaser doesn't necessarily correlate to what we're going to see next. So I'm not sure if in the next episode we will find out about the scar. Maybe, maybe not. But I am looking forward to more. I think all the actors here are good. I think there's good chemistry between everyone, between all the couples. I like the way they see, we see Chile's feelings towards Yuzhen so slowly progressing. And again, I mentioned previously, not necessarily in any romantic sense, but just as another human being, seeing him as a human being rather than this guy who just came barreling into the office making all these different rules. So I am looking forward to more from this. That's the end of episode 15 of our podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. I hope you like and subscribe. I'm not sure what BL series I will be picking up next after this one. I have to decide, but there is um, supposedly We Best Love is having a special come out next week. So hopefully I'll get a chance to check that out and include it in my next podcast review. Before then, if you want to reach out to me with any comments about the podcast or any suggestions for some some show you think I might be interested in, you can find me on Twitter at DramaWatcher6 and email dramawatchernotes at gmail.com. Stay safe, everyone.